Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Aren't you glad that you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Aren't you glad that you believe in the forgiveness of sins? I am so glad that I believe in the forgiveness of sins. That's not popular these days. Have you noticed that? It's not popular to believe in the forgiveness of sins. Number one, a whole group of people who don't believe in sin at all. Then there's a whole group of people who believe that the worst thing they did identifies them forever. And so we got a world living in between the ignorance of sin and the ignorance of forgiveness. And they need the message that we have a loving God. I'll say that again. We need the, they need the message that we have a loving God. We have a loving God who, 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 who does the impossible. He does the impossible. He raises the dead. He fixes failed uh, businesses. He, he, he heals, I'm a testimony, marriages. He uh, raises kids that you'll like. Does miracles. For those of you who've raised some kids, there's, there, there's hope. He'll raise children that you like to be around. And, uh, and, and, and God, is, God is good like that. But I want to ask you a question, not about God. I want to ask you a question about yourself today. I want you to think for a second. Have you ever thought what it would be like to be king or queen of the whole world? Have you ever thought about what it would be like if tomorrow you woke up and you found out that through some providence or through some financial miracle or through some wish from a genie, you became king of the whole world. You became all-powerful or even king of your world. What if you like could do whatever you wanted and the whole world had to obey or at least your world had to obey? What would you do? Now, most people say, you know, I would, uh, you know, I'd buy a house for my family and but then right? But, but then. We go on, you know, but then. And, and history is filled, it's filled with people who had this very dream come true. At least in their world, they became king of their entire domain where nobody could fight back against them. And, and, and again, even this century, uh, as I look back over the 20th century, um, and, and people who are saying the, 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 the end is near, and I tell them how, how much better things are all over the world. Uh, you know, child death rates are down. Poverty is decreasing. Literacy is rising. Like, in so many ways, the world is better. However, the 20th century was the bloodiest century in human history. There's more people murdered from war than at any other point in human history. And so what would you do? We have this duality. What would you do if you became king? Now, there's a famous video. You can watch it online. You can Google it when Saddam Hussein became the leader of Iraq. And in 1978, 79, uh, he was head of the Ba'ath Party, uh, which was a minority group in Iraq. But uh, he was threatened, and, uh, and, and he had a a meeting of his entire parliament. And there were several hundred people uh, in this parliament. And uh, as he was ascending to power, um, there was a leader uh, that he didn't like. And they tortured this leader until this leader gave up 78 names of people 
who weren't loyal to Saddam Hussein. And you can watch the video online. Saddam Hussein gets up and he has a cigar. He's very happy. And he has the man that they tortured begin reading the list of the names of the people who are disloyal to Saddam Hussein. And one by one, they're dragged out of this large Congress. They're put into a prison and they're murdered. He killed everybody who was opposed to him. And men would stand up and say, what, what are we talking about? I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. And he'd say, you have to confess that I am president and you have to leave. And they knew that that was going to be the last moment that they were alive. And this is what happens when human natural desire is given no limits. This is what happens when our, our, our greatest lust for power, our lust for wealth, our lust for uh, our, our, our own desires to be fulfilled. This is what happens to most people. Uh, we see people who are not prepared for power come into power and hurt other people. This is, this is the history of the world. This is the history of the world. And, 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 and then, 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 you know, what, what would you do? You know, what would we do as a people if we got the kind of power that Saddam Hussein had? If we had the kind of power that Jeff Bezos had? If we had the kind of power that your boss has, whoever your boss is, what would we do with that power? Well, here we're in our, our Luke message series, and we're kind of looking at what, what Jesus does with power and how he's preparing his disciples to handle that kind of power. Now, as we said in Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, Jesus is beginning his march from Galilee toward his crucifixion in Jerusalem. And he's preparing his disciples to deal with power. Let's pick this up in Luke chapter 1. Excuse me, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. And as you turn there in your Bibles, I want to thank Mike Rentler, who brought the Word of God last week. So good. So good. Thank you so much. Set it up for me so good. Now I can just hit that home run off of, coming off of you. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Let's read the first two verses together. It says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And those of you online, I want to say hello. I know people are greeting you in the chat. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, for, for Miriam, who is still fighting sickness, uh, recovering, we pray for healing. And over Deborah Adams, we declare healing in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we declare healing on both of them. And... Uh, and so, so now we see, we see Jesus here. We see Jesus heading towards Jerusalem, and he sends out the, the, the 70 or the 72, depending on the, the translation that you use. The number isn't really significant. Uh, I believe in Matthew they use 72. Some, they use 70. You know, in, Matthew, excuse me, in uh, uh, Numbers chapter 11, uh, Moses had appointed 70 people to carry his authority. And so some versions use 70. We know that the Sanhedrin of the Sanhedrin was 72. I believe the proper interpretation, translation of this scripture is that Jesus sent out 72. Caesar had his Sanhedrin. Jesus had his Sanhedrin, right? Uh, the, the, there was a Sanhedrin of those who were ruling over and taking advantage of people. And then there were the disciples of Christ. I want you to follow along with me here. This is going to be a good one, I think. 
So Jesus is sending his laborers into the harvest. So what is this harvest? Saddam Hussein had his harvest. He sent his laborers into the harvest, and he harvested his enemies and had them murdered. We know that when Fidel Castro came into power in Cuba, he did much the same thing. We know that when dictators come into power, they do much the same thing. They find their enemies, they round them up. You know, in middle school, when someone gets a little bit of power, remember middle school? Middle school is the Machiavellian training ground of life, right? It's everybody's out for blood. Nobody knows where they stand with anybody else. You're desperately trying to find an alliance and everybody is trying to give you an identity, right? That's middle school. Uh, as, your, as your kids come into middle school, cover them in prayer and let them know that everybody who is picking on them has no idea who they are either, right? Like nobody knows everything and everybody's lying about everything, right? Tell your boys what the boys are saying, they're lying, right? The girls who are talking about how popular they are, what they do, they're lying, right? They're all, anybody, can anybody bear witness to middle school is filled with lying people who have no idea what they're talking about? Everybody lied their way through middle school. Nobody is as cool as they say they are. Nobody is accomplishing what they say they are. Nobody, no, it's just not working out, right? And so th- th- this, this is like, this is life. This is what happens when somebody feels they have a little bit of power over other people. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene and he tells his disciples, I'm sending you out with power. What do they do with that power? Well, I'm sending you into the harvest. The harvest is ready. Wait a minute. What harvest? Harvest, like what, what are we talking about here? What, like will you eat the harvest for your own good? That's not the harvest of Jesus. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying this. The world, write it down, is ready for God's love. That's the harvest that God is talking about. The world is ready for God's love. Now, these are people, as we read the book of Luke, as we read the New Testament, it is written to people who are under oppression. It's like a letter, and you're in like the 12th grade, and you're writing to your 7th grade self, right? Or your middle age, more likely, right? Say you're in your late 20s. What would you tell yourself in middle school? What would you tell, your, what would you tell middle school self, right? And I know there's probably some people here in middle school, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to us. Like, we lament for those of you in middle school. Like, my daughter had a good middle school experience, and it's because God does miracles. Yeah. <laughs> Period, right? Because my middle school experience was bad, right? I was away from Jesus, doing all kind of terrible things. And sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, sometimes in prayer, I visit that little boy, and I talk to him, and I, and I prophesy over him, and I tell him the truth about what's coming ahead. I'm, I'm ministering. This is, David talked about how he ministers to his own soul. I minister to my own soul. And, and, and some of you, you have, I'm just, this is going to be one of those weeks. Is that all right? We're gonna, you're going to have to chase my bunny trails this week because I just feel like the Spirit of God is going to move in hearts today. Amen. Listen, listen, I, I'm just, you know, a camera lady back there, Zoe, anointed woman of God, good luck, Okay. Just good luck keeping up, all right? If you're online, you don't see me, come to church next week, right? 
Trauma doesn't just go away. Let me tell you, trauma doesn't just go away. Time does not heal anything. Time hardens hearts. Jesus heals wounds. The Holy Spirit of God and the love of God heals wounds. Time does not do anything but teach you how to protect yourself from other people. But what you're protecting yourself, it's like sewing your mouth shut so you don't eat anything that tastes bad. You block everything, right? Time doesn't heal anything. So sometimes I will visit middle school, middle school Carl in prayer, and I will see that hurt, lonely boy, and I will be like, listen, it's not always going to be like this. Like, they are lying to you. They are not actually going to fight you. Those people who say this are not that. You do not have to do these things to get ahead. Like, this fear that you're experiencing is not real. The depression, like, just get up, clean your room, and do your homework, and life will get better. I say that to me a lot. Get up, go to school, clean your room, do your homework. Your whole life will be different if you just, in middle school, clean your room, do your homework, go to school. Don't, like, oh, they said something like, who cares? You're not even going to know them in two years. Like, these people are not even going to be in your life anymore. How much of your life have you spent arguing with people that you don't even talk to anymore? Anybody know what I'm talking about? At some point, we need to just dust off our feet. And sometimes the sooner you do it, the better. Had a prophet speak to me. I talked about it last week. He started started lecturing me on blessed subtraction. And I was like, but I don't like that. He's like, like, and he began talking to me. Like, do you wish the person who, who, who antagonized you in middle school was still in your life? No. You went to high school and you got some blessed subtraction. Hallelujah, right? And so, and so in our lives, trauma does not just go away, and it's an inheritance for your children if you don't deal with it, because you will raise them like that trauma is still living in your life, and you'll teach them to protect themselves from something that's not even in their life. You're going to set them up on a pattern of behavior and, 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 and um, interaction that is not real to them. People who bring their children from war zones into this country, their children often wind up crazy and in jail because they were raised in an environment of warfare, and so their kids act like they're in a war, that there is no war because they've not been healed from the trauma. Does it, am I making sense here at all? And so, yeah, amen. And so, amen. One class, we all clap. Let's just, even if you don't agree, let's just <laughs> encourage the person getting ministered to. And so Jesus is talking to a group of people living under national oppression from the Roman government, real, actual oppression from the government, and religious oppression from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So you have people blocking them from economic gain. You have people blocking them from um, spiritual gain. And they're living like a conquered people. This is the people that Jesus is ministering to. It's super important we understand these scriptures. Otherwise, we twist them into something that they're not saying. And so Jesus is sending these broke people, people who either learned to live in this broken system and prosper illegally, or those who are living under this system. He's going to give them power, and he's starting to let them know, hey, I got to get you healed of this stuff, or you are going to be just like them, but with more power. And so he's ministering to them, and he tells them, listen, your true purpose 
Your true purpose is to go out there and get the love of God on people. Now, now this, is, this is fascinating. So, so when, when, when someone comes into power, what do they do? They oppress the people around them. But Jesus. Jesus came, and he actually was king of the world. Nobody knew it, but he was king of the world. At any moment, he could have wiped out everybody. He could have subjugated everybody. He could have raised up an angel army and destroyed everyone. He could have flattened Rome. He could have flattened um, Jerusalem. He could have done whatever he wanted. But what did he do? He came as a lonely servant, and he began raising up people in the love of God. First, he sent out 12. Then he sent out 72 into the harvest. And what was his instruction for his army of 72 that he sent out? What, I mean, what, if you're now king of the world and you got 72 people around you, what did he tell them to do? He told them, the harvest is plentiful. Laborers are few. Plead with the Lord of the harvest. Send out laborers into the harvest. What did he do? He sent them out to get people free of oppression. That was their mission. Listen, Jesus is like, I'm free. Since you follow me, you're free. Get some other people free. This is the radical mission of Jesus. Not I'm free, now I need you to be oppressed. I'm free. You're free. Let's all be free. That, that, that's his goal. And look, he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, Behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I, I need you to see, this is the Exodus story all over again. The Exodus story, as we read the Old Testament, uh, the, the, we, we don't question the historicity of the text. However, we see that it's all a foreshadowing of Jesus. The, the Jews looked at the Exodus story as a story of their people. We were an enslaved people. The Lord sent a Messiah, a deliverer, Moses. He brought us out of captivity into the promised land. But, <coughs> excuse me, we're waiting for the actual Messiah of God. The Messiah comes. His name is Jesus. But the people are under captivity. They think it's going to be like the old captivity, and we're going to drown the Pharaoh. But Jesus is like, I'm working on a whole another level here. We are going to get people free for real, for real. Because they got people into the promised land, but they still live like slaves. They still live like pagans. They didn't serve the one true God. And so they did things like set up the social dynamics in middle school, right? This is a people who are not free. These are mental slaves. And Jesus came to set them free. He says, go, behold, I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. And here's what this means. When you start acting like a real Christian, we talk in this church about Jesus Christianity. There's a whole lot of flavors of Christianity out there right now that aren't actually Christianity, right? You ever gone to an ice cream shop? You want some ice cream and they offer you sorbet. You're like, that ain't ice cream. (laughs) Ice cream got some milk, got some fat, it got sugar, it's got mint chocolate chips, of course. Like that's what the good ice cream has in it. No, I don't want no sorbet. Well, we got some frozen yogurt. That ain't ice cream. I want ice cream, right? Just because it's frozen and tasty, don't make it ice cream, right? And so we got Christians who call themselves Christians, but aren't actually followers of Christ. Now, I know that sounds judgmental, 
And it is, because it's true. Like, Jesus made it very clear what it meant to follow him. And we want to be Jesus Christians. I, 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 don't, I don't, listen, hear me, hear what I'm saying. I don't want to be a Paul Christian. I don't want to be a John Christian. I don't want to be a George Washington Christian. I want to be a Jesus Christian. Amen? I want to be a Jesus Christian. I want to be a Christian who, who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I talked to our leaders. Uh, we had a nice little banquet the other night for our leaders, a nice little dinner for all our ministry team directors and our life group leaders. And, uh, and I told them, man, we're like, as I'm looking to, uh, to, to follow Christ, I'm going farther back in time. Like, I want to read the writings of the people closest to Jesus. I love what they're writing today, but it tastes a lot like sorbet, right? I want some ice cream. I want some Jesus doctrinal ice cream, right? And these people talked about, man, love, God, is, God is love. And so when you start acting like a real Jesus Christian, you're going to start having some problems. You're going to start, at, see, the devil doesn't mind if you wear some, some cross jewelry. That don't bother him at all, right? He does not mind if you go to church. That don't bother, that don't bother the enemy in the, in the least bit. Sing the songs, Call yourself a Christian, put up a pagan Christmas tree in your church. He don't care about any of that, right? Like, that's fine for him. But actually start being a follower of Christ and watch what happens. Watch when you start, when you start to bring that anointing of God into the conversation. All of a sudden, you get less popular. When, when you start asking people hard questions like, uh, like, like does their morality reflect their faith system. Then you start having some problems. I had a conversation with a business leader who talked about how it was hard for him to get more business because he refuses uh, to be illegal with his uh, payroll. He will only pay his employees on record. And all the people he's competing against have employees that are getting paid off the record. And he said to me, he said, the Lord told me he would bless my business as long as it was righteous. And so he said, sorry, you know, I'm paying a living wage. I'm paying my taxes. That costs more than what you're, what you're being quoted. And now some of those people who are hiring the lower price person also call themselves Christians. But they're willing, they're willing to go ahead and bend their very faith system to save $100. And I wonder, like, what is your faith system worth to you? What, what is your morality worth to you? Do you have an ethos? Do you have an ethical guideline in your life that you will not cross for any price? That's called Christianity. That's called, I am a follower of Jesus. That's like, I, I, I can't make up the rules as I go. I'm a follower of Christ. I have to treat people righteously. What do you do with your power? Because once you start allowing the anointing of God to come upon your life and, and you begin to react to the world as if you are a follower of Christ, you get pushback. Why? Because the world begins to get convicted of their unrighteousness. You don't got to judge them. The world doesn't need you to judge them. The world doesn't need you to tell them what they're doing is wrong. You just let them know what you're doing that's right. And all of a sudden, you'll get things like, well, I don't really think you've got to go to church that often. Well, of course you don't. You're not a follower of Jesus. I am. Of course I have to go to church, right? Oh, I don't think you've got to do all that stuff. Well, of course you don't. But I'm not, I'm not asking the illiterate what book I should read. 
right? I'm asking readers what book I should read, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm not, it, it, you know, like you go on the internet and people have legal advice. And I'm like, are any of you lawyers? Then please be quiet, right? Like, I know everything is First Amendment to you, but that's not what the First Amendment says. Can we just get a lawyer to give me legal advice? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know. Oh, I'm about to wade into something and, and just guard your heart here. Like, we see what's happening with people who get their medical advice from Facebook, the funeral industry is skyrocketing, right? Like, I, they might be behind it. I don't know, right? That's what happens when you get your medical advice on Facebook. Like, I want to, I, I personally, I want a doctor who went to actual medical school, right? I don't want a witch doctor. I don't want a homeopathic oil person. I want somebody who went to a doctor, got a medical degree, and then there's a board that certified them. Like, I, like I, you know, they're going to do a little skin graft on me soon. I want those people to be doctors. I don't want my auto mechanic to get a discount on my face. You know what I mean? Is this... But people are getting discount spiritual advice for their eternity. They're getting pastored by people who've never taken a single theology class ever. Have not even read the whole Bible have never had their faith tested by people who actually read the book, read the church fathers, have taken classes, have spent their time, had an elder lay hands on them and say, yes, your doctrine is approved. We consider you to be a covered as a minister of God. They're like, no, 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 that's probably good enough. And it's not good enough. We don't have Jesus Christians because we don't have people who are actually in line with the historical faith. And what I want to do is I want to get the historical blessings of God, and that comes through following the historical faith of Jesus Christ as revealed in the Word of God. This is what I want, and it's not that complicated. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that the Son of God was sent to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of devil. But you got to know what the works of the devil are. Because there's a whole lot of believers who think that what they're doing is blessed when it's cursed. Yeah. All right. I'm not upset. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy. The love of God breaks the oppressive systems of the world. Amen. The love of God breaks the oppressive systems of the world. Amen. And let me tell you, here, for those of you who are getting a little nervous about where I'm going with this. There's people who say, you know, Jesus is against unrighteousness and he's against poverty. Therefore, the government needs to. No, therefore, we need to. <laughs> Not the government needs to, we need to. This, you, 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 can't, you, you can't farm out your responsibilities to Jesus. Your taxes don't cover what you owe God, right? Like, this is what you and I, you and I have to actually be. Jesus following Christians. Like, oh, the Democrats, oh, the Republicans. No, you, where is your heart? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, there's nothing is going to, we can't say, but I voted for. Like, I don't think Jesus, like, that ain't the answer. That, that, that's, not, that's not the answer. The oppressive systems of this world, they take advantage of people. People who get. Take advantage of other people for personal gain. It's unrighteous. Yeah. I mean, as believers, I'm just going to cast a little vision here. And this is not judgment. This is Carl. I believe Christian business owners should pay better. I, I just, like, hmm. 
I have a responsibility to take care of the people working for me. I should pay better than people who don't know Jesus. I, I, you know, I, like Christian, uh, your, your, you know, Christian neighbors should be good neighbors. Christian drivers, Lord Jesus, help me, should be a little bit better than drivers, right? I remember I was frustrated driving down the road one day with a friend of mine, and there was a person who was older than all of us, maybe combined, I don't know, like they were driving very slow. And uh, it's like a real gracious friend of mine. I was getting a little frustrated. He's like, take your time. You don't know what they're dealing with in that car. Ah, my heart was convicted. I was like, okay, I'll save the horn for 15 more seconds. But as a believer, like, we, 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 we should, like, uh, you know, take our trash cans in on time, right? If you're a believer and you own a dog, you should pick up after your dog. Right? Is this, like, this is, this is how like, we should be different, right? As believers, like, uh, we're, we're Christian, as, if we're followers of Christ, our lives should be different in ways that help other people. What do we do when we get power? What do we do with the power that we have? Are we using it to serve the people of this world or are we using it for our own enrichment? This matters. You say, well, pastor, does that mean that? I don't know, go to Jesus. If you're not sure, let's have a conversation about ethics. But, you know, I understand there's careers like we have several lawyers in our church. And in America, everybody is afforded a, a vigorous defense, right? That's part of our criminal justice system, right? It's the way the systems. And so you may have a guilty client that, is, that deserves a vigorous defense. That's not sin, but if you lie, that's sin. How do you work that out in the legal profession? I don't know. Find a Christian lawyer and work that out, right? Well, pastor, if I say this is that and that's this and this is what... No, 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 no. Don't, don't do mental gymnastics to follow Jesus. Follow your conscience. Ask the Holy Ghost of God to guide you. What is, what is proper? It, it just, are, are we resonating here? Are, are, are we on the same... I hope, I hope you're getting something out of this. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, verse 25, as we go forward a little bit. It says, a lawyer stood up. Oh, isn't that funny? Lawyers got an argument, right? Lawyers always, I was going to be a lawyer before I got saved. Well, I was going to go to law school. God only knows if I would have made it through. But uh, I, was, I, was, I was set for law school when I got saved. Uh, debating is kind of runs in my family. Uh, as If you ever came to dinner at our house and experienced the debates that happened around our dinner table, you would uh, recognize that. Uh, but a lawyer stood up, and, 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 and <laughs> this is a funny verse. Let's read this together. And a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. That's a funny statement. That's a funny statement. I'm going I'm I'm to argue Jesus into a corner. That's a funny statement. So a lawyer, are we okay? Are we doing okay here? Are we all right here? I just want to make sure we're doing good. Amen. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? All right, now here's the Spirit of God resting upon the Messiah talking. I mean, we got two-thirds of the Godhead that you're now challenging. Might be some more rhetorical skills at work here than you have on your own, right? And so we have, we have the God-man Christ Jesus who is uh, cloaked with power without end, right? Debating with this man. 
what is written in the law? How do you read it? Now, when you are a, a spirit-baptized believer, there is a conviction that rests on your life. And when you talk to people with real conviction, with love, with honesty, there is an anointing that begins to touch their hearts in ways that they can't lie the way that they normally do. Remember my wife and I had a conflict with someone recently, and they were just acting all kind of crazy. And I just stopped and I looked at the demon in their eye. I said, now before Jesus Christ, is that true? And they stopped. I said, now, before Jesus Christ, is that true? No. Of course it's not true. Because the spirit of truth is now in the room, right? See, we have authority as believers to bind up these demons that are lying against you. Now, this person never did want to admit that they were a liar, but the lie at least was exposed for a moment. There was a, God had given just a momentary opportunity for repentance. So here's Jesus Christ functioning in all the gifts and all the fruit and all the Godhead, the, the God who spoke the entire world into existence just by his word, right? Everything that has been created was created through this Jesus Christ who's now walking the world with these trivial people thinking they're debating him. Yeah. Right? Right? Like, like, like earlier, he gave them a little bit of power and they're so excited and Jesus is rejoicing with them. Hey, you did a thing. That's so good. We cast out demons. He's like, oh, that's so good. I saw demons fall when you did that. That was great. You're, you're, woo, didn't even know that was possible. I created everything. But oh, that's so good, right? And so now they want to challenge him. The lawyer says, teacher, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And he says to him, what's written in the law and how does it read to you? Now, I bet this man never said this before in his life. But when you read the scriptures with the spirit of God there present, you're going to see some things that you don't see when you're just reading it through. And so he says in verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Why don't you come up and play a little bit for me here. <clears throat> Do this and you will live. What does all the law point to? See, when, when you look at the law, when you look at the Bible through religious text, I need, man, I need y'all to hear this real quick. <clears throat> we said about two years ago, <clears throat> for too long the church has told people what to think. It's time to teach people how to think. And so, so much of the church is reading the New Testament without the Spirit of God. They're not reading it through the lens of the life of Jesus Christ, through the mission of the Messiah. We've got to read the Bible through the mission of the Messiah. So when you read, when people quote Scripture and they come away from something, they come away from it with something other than the Sermon on the Mount, they're not reading it through the Scriptures. They're not reading it through the Savior. And so what this man was saying was, I am perfect, I am justified because I do everything right. And when the Spirit of God came in, a new lens came over his eyes on how to look at the Scripture. You see, the way the religious people read the Old Testament was, it's all about me and that I'm doing everything good. 
It's all about me and that I'm getting it right. It's all about me and justifying myself before God. But then when the Spirit, the living God, is standing before Him, watch this. This is going to wreck somebody's heart. Shabbat. When the Spirit of God is living before Him, and He says, what do you think the Scriptures mean now in the presence of the Holy Ghost, in the presence of the Messiah who's giving His life for creation? What happens now when you look at the Scriptures? Then He says, oh, it's all about love. It's all about how I, it's all about how I love. It's about how I love God. About how I love people. Let me put it another way. It's what do I do with my power? I have the power to bless and I have the power to curse. I see a disagreement. Do I exploit that disagreement so that I can become more popular or do I build bridges? Do I stay selfish or do I give my life for another? And so Jesus had just been demonstrating what he does with his power. I give my power, I use it to free people, and then I give it away so they can be freedom fighters. Freedom fighters. Not your own freedom. Freedom fighters. Jesus came down from heaven, lived among us to rescue us. And the whole church is talking about climbing up to be with him. And he's like, no, no, no. I want you to get down with someone else and bring them up. That, that, that's, that's, that is the call. That's the call. Go climb down a ladder with someone else and bring them back up the ladder with you. That's the call. What do you do with the power you have? But you can't see that if the Spirit of God is not there. You can't do that if you've not experienced the Father's love. If you haven't experienced the Father's love, you're still in middle school. Fighting for your place, scared someone's going to take your seat at the lunch table. Worried you're not going to get invited to the thing or your texts are going to stay unread. Or whatever the saying goes. Terrified it's not going to be reciprocated. But once you're a Jesus Christian, you say, my Father loves me. I can love freely. I can love freely. <clears throat> I want to show you this one more time. I'm beating a dead horse here, but it needs to be beat. We got a lot of Christians saying they're Christians because they've climbed some sort of ladder. And Jesus is like, get off your ladder and start giving away what you got. The goal of this thing is not to be better. The goal of this thing is to rescue somebody that you think is lower. But you can't do that without the love of God. You can't do that without God's love being birthed in your heart. And so I'm going to pray now. Have you ever been betrayed? You ever been, that, been betrayed in the way that it kind of marks who you are? You carry it and it's part of your personality now, unfortunately. 
and you think it's you becoming stronger, but it's you really just part of you died. And you've set up your whole life with the gate there so you won't get hurt again. That's, that's the woundedness that God wants to heal so that you can love freely. You see, that most likely where you were wounded is where you were called to love. And the devil exploited it so you could not operate in your gifting. And the world calls forgiveness weakness because like I said at the beginning, when you start becoming a Jesus Christian, the world comes against you. I'm here to tell you Jesus heals that. And I want to pray now in my few remaining minutes. The countdown clock never started, so I still have a half hour. <clears throat> in my few remaining minutes here, I'd like my wife to come on stage. And we're going we're gonna to pray. A couple sips first. Not that one. We're going to pray, and, and here's what's going to happen. For some of you, the love of God is going to wash over you in a significant way. And I make no apologies about how that's going to destroy the life that you've built. Because you're going to inherit God's kingdom. I got saved in my mid-twenties. And, uh, I learned how to protect myself. And uh, I had problems with rage, with hurt. And uh, I was on a mission trip. I had been saved, I don't know, not very long. I was on a mission trip in Nicaragua. <clears throat> and somehow some prophetic mantle fell upon me. And I began to prophesy like I couldn't believe it was happening. And the Lord had given me words of knowledge and prophecy like and I started an itinerant ministry with a, friend, a couple friends of mine. And, uh, and I had this ability to see people's sins. Like I just, I could just see it. I could see their sins. And, um, and it used to really bother me because they acted like their life was fine and I knew it wasn't. According to Carl's judgments, their life was a hot mess. And how dare you be happy when you have this level of sin in your life. And... Uh, when you can see what's wrong with everybody, hard to have friends, right? Uh, it, it'll mess up your relationships when you're constantly walking in judgment. And then one day, I met someone who had been wrecked by the love of God. And they prayed for me. And something happened in my heart. Now, I was already saved. I was baptized in the Spirit. I was operating in gifts. All kind of great things were happening in my life. I knew I was called. But the love of God flooded my heart. And I began slowly but surely to see everything differently. And I was a part of a very mean religious group. And I slowly started to have this problem. That <clears throat> it was celebrated that we could bring a righteous judgment against someone. But now I'm like not seeing people's sins, I'm seeing their potential. <laughs> and the judgment that I was under in ministry training 
did not reconcile with the hope that God was giving me for people. And I had to make a choice. And we chose to go with love. And since then, God has challenged us time and time again. Don't bring judgment, bring love. When people lie against you, just love. When people gossip against you, just love. God will be your defender. Because I know God is love. And this is at times hard because I am being transformed into the likeness of Christ. This is that cruciform journey where your life is being transformed to the life of the crucified cross. And you can only, excuse me, the crucified Christ. And you can only do that with the love of God in your life. Now, if you would like to be some other sort of follower of greed and call yourself Christian, I don't have help for you. But if you would like to be transformed into Christ, I believe God is going to touch some hearts here in a moment. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We are going to pray. Ha. Ha. We're going to pray. And the love of God is going to touch some of you in ways that you were not expecting today. Next week, we're going to have our Christmas service. Then we're going to have an online service. First service of January, a friend of mine uh, from Brazil, a prophet's going to come and minister. It's going to be really good. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, But between now and then, your heart's going to get wrecked for the love of God. And if you're like, man, I remember when that happened. It's about to happen again. Because the life in this world is constantly coming at you. Telling you not to love. Ooh, I feel the anointing right now. For those of you online, if you're watching while eating breakfast or whatever, just stop it. Get alone and, and just sanctify some time for Jesus. He's worth it. So go ahead and put your hand on your heart. And if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Nobody's going to touch you. I'm not going around the room. We're not going to wherever you want it to be. Put your hand. It's somewhere in your chest. Father. Oh, Jesus. Yep, 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 yep. I just hear some words. And the world has given you lies to believe about yourself. And it's now part of your belief system. I'm a failure. Eyes cause problems. I can't get it right. I don't know how. I'm not going to make it. Some other lies are um, people are against me. Yeah. I can't trust others. I was a fool for trusting. Something bad is going to happen. I need to protect myself. 
Any others? I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Yeah, and I see someone, and just, you know, just, this may not be for you, but I see someone who is like desperately trying to hold it all together. Like you are spending all of your mental energy trying to hold it all together. And you are terrified because it always feels like it's going to come apart. Now that may not make sense to you, but for somebody that, that is exactly how you're living. Because for some reason, you feel that you have to be for you what God has called to be for you. Jesus is called to be that for you. And see, these beliefs that we just called off are called ungodly beliefs because they're against God's nature. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to hold it together. You don't have to protect yourself. We just need the love of God. So we're going to pray right now. <clears throat> Father, wow. Father, we all right now, <clears throat> we reject those lies about us. And for this moment, you may believe every one of those lies are true. I'm not as popular as other people. I can't get what I want like other people. You may believe that to be true, but I need you to just, for a moment, let's just practice a little church discipline here. Just trust that I'm the pastor and you're the sheep. And it's my job to get you away from the wolves and toward the green grass and still water. I know you like where you're eating right now because that's where you're used to. But I know where there's some green grass and still water that I want to take you to. So just trust me for a minute here. These are ungodly beliefs. That wolf is not your friend. Wow. And so, you want to lead us through a prayer? Or you want me to continue? Okay. So, with your eyes closed, I just want you to say, Lord, forgive me for these ungodly beliefs. I choose to be a Jesus Christian. I am who you say I am. And I'm a loved child of God. I choose to forgive. I choose to love. I choose to release. And I choose to trust you. Huh. And so, Father, now I would ask. Go ahead and place your hand on your heart. Father, I would ask right now that you would begin to flood these hearts with your, wow. You would begin to flood these hearts with your love. Flood these hearts with your love. Flood these hearts. Wow, flood them with, wow, with your love. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we break off every lie spoken over them. Every lie spoken of them, even when they were children. 
people who didn't know any better and called them stupid or called them ugly or called them worthless. We break off these lies in the name of Jesus. We declare they don't have power over your, wow, over your life anymore. The friend who said, you're a fool to forgive. No, I'm a Christ, I'm a Christ follower. The Holy Spirit will come and empower me to love again. Wow. The love of God comes and floods your heart right now. Wow, I feel the anointing of God falling. It'll, wow, 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 wow. And I bless wow. everyone right now <clears throat> wow. for you to see yourself as the Lord sees you. Wow, in the name of Jesus. Oh my gosh. Just a grace to see yourself in the name of Jesus. As Father God sees you. <clears throat> Jesus. I release it right now. A revelation of, of how the Father sees you. This is the truth. We declare freedom over your life from the lie. Why did Jesus set people free? For freedom. It's just for freedom. And I declare a grace release right it. now. Go ahead, release it, honey. Release it. Release for it. For you to forgive yourself. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. You're not allowed to judge yourself. In the name of Jesus. You're not allowed to be in unforgiveness to yourself. In the name so of Jesus. So right now I declare that you are forgiven. In the name of and Jesus, you we must break it off. forgive yourself right in now. The in the name Jesus of Jesus, name. we break it off. Oh, God. We break it off right now in the name of Jesus. We break it off right now in the, the name Father of Jesus. The Father is not love looking of God. at you through eyes of condemnation. In He's the name of Jesus. looking at you through eyes of love and acceptance. In the name of Jesus. Receive Blood his hearts. love. Receive his acceptance. See yourself as he sees you. Loved. Loved. That child is of God. the truth. Loved child of God. Embrace the truth of the lens of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healing is flooding your heart right now. That's the love of God. Flooding hearts right now. It's the love of God. See him. See him. See him. See how excited he was the day you were born. See how he rejoiced over you when he found out about the pregnancy. See in heaven right now. See, 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 see how excited he is. See how, 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 how he's got your picture as his lock screen on his phone. It's how he loves you. It's how he loves you. It's how he loves you. It's how he's grieved over the things that have happened to you. It was never part of his plan, but he does have plans of restoration and redemption and joy and victory and peace and overcoming. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we just, wow, we declare a supernatural love, a supernatural love that even transforms our personality. Even the parts of the personality we were super excited about, God's like, I got something better. It transforms our children's lives. Wow. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There is healing. There is healing. There is healing. There, there is healing. Receive his healing. Receive the love of the Father. Shake his up. love is forever and ever. You cannot earn it, and he will never, ever take it away. He'll never take it away. So just open your heart. Let him in. Father God is worthy of your trust. You can trust him. 
in the he name of Jesus. Only tells the truth. In the and what he is showing you right now is the truth of who you are. He sees the gold that's in you. And I just I just believe right now in the name some of, of Jesus. you are seeing yourself and seeing the gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Turn seeing the gold that you possess that is you. You are the fathers. You have been made new in Christ Jesus. He's looking at the beauty in you. He's made you unique. You are not to be like everyone else. You are unique and you are made by the Father. In the name. And right now, in the name. we choose to walk in the truth that in the God name. is speaking over us right now. In the now. name of Jesus. Ha. Ha. Every lie is broken off right now. Yes. Every trauma is pulled out in the by name the of root Jesus. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And the love of the Father is being floods poured your heart. out. Overflowing, overflowing the love of it God. floods over you right now. It floods. Receive his love. It's washing. Receive his it's washing. forgiveness. It's washing. Receive his viewpoint he's, right now. He's flooding your heart. See yourself and see others through his eyes of love. Shakaba. Keep your eyes closed. He's going to show you something. Some of you, you're going to see some things and I want you to believe it. 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 You might need to forgive someone you don't want to forgive. You might need to receive forgiveness from the Father. But some of you are going to see the Father right now love you. You're going to see it. I want you to see Him. someone right now just standing and it's not it's 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 a well it's a man and I see just gold shimmering off of him right now and I just grace you right now to see that on yourself that you would see the gold that is emanating from you because that is a spirit of God within you the love of God belongs to you. Receive it. Fred, I see you on a moving sidewalk, but you're on your face. And there's just a moving sidewalk drawing you to God. I see the Father... weird vision, but I see it clearly. Just sliding toward God. And there's a new season of um, even song. I don't know if you write songs, but I just see new songs. If you're carrying something heavy, if you're carrying a burden, 
right now, just lay it at the foot of the cross. He doesn't want you to carry that burden. So I just, right now, I bless you to release every burden to Jesus. Just give all the heaviness to him. Make room for his love to flood you. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to bless you, and then Brandon's going to put on some music. You can come and just spend some time in the presence of Jesus here at the front, but we're going to bless everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for moving in this house. We thank you that you're healing hearts and changing lives. And we pray in the name of Jesus that we would continue in this journey of love and freedom and that we would be your ambassador to the world of love. In the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen and amen. Go ahead, Brandon, play some music. Now listen, I, I, I just ask a favor. If you could just like get your stuff if you need to go, just hang out in the lobby or hang out out front. And for those of you who's like, man, God's doing something. Stay in your chair or just come to the front. You can sit on the front row, sit on the stage, sit in the first couple rows and just let this music wash over you. So allow it to continue. So we just honor what God is doing. We'll see you next week at Christmas service. Amen. A little bit more, Brandon. A little bit more. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. What would happen if a generation embraced this? Come on, tell them. Here I am. So you.